confirmation marks seven steps, seven sequential steps. If you're going to say that you are confirmed, seven things need to be in process. Not necessarily completed, but at least in process. And they were articulated in John's Gospel, chapter 20, this morning. What were they? There was an appearing. There was the giving of peace. There was the showing of evidence. There was uh, an experience of happiness. There was the showing of peace, a giving of peace again, a commissioning and a filling with the Spirit. Those seven things need to be well underway for you to say that you are confirmed that you are a Christian. Let's quickly look at those. First one, there has to be an appearing, otherwise this whole thing doesn't make any sense at all. Jesus has to show up, get in your face, and you have to know it was Jesus. Now, I may have shared the story before because I'm getting old and my memory is terribly, it's gone, shot. <laughs> but my father told a story before he died where he, he, was a, he was a pagan and Jesus had been trying to reach him his whole life and he was 89 years old and six months before he, he died, he told me uh, three days before he died that this face showed up in his living room and he said, I didn't know what to make of it. And uh, of course, I'd been trying to convert him for about 50 years at that point. And uh, so I said to him, you know, that has to have been Jesus. He was trying to reach you your whole life. And then he said, well, why did, you, why did he go away? And I said to him, because you told him to go away. You were afraid. And so before he died, again, I reminded him that Jesus was going to show up again because he's been trying to show up in your life and appear to you your whole life. Jesus is wanting to appear to each one of you. And all you need to do is say, please show up and I will be open to your visit. You're either closed to his visit or open. You've got two choices there, pretty straightforward. Next one. Where were the disciples? Well, it is straightforward, isn't it? <laughs> you either make that decision or you don't. I'm hoping that there'll be a number of you this morning that say, yes, I'm going to ask Jesus to appear to me. And I'd be happy to pray for you afterwards if you do that. Um, I was with uh, some international bishops last uh, week, um, and one of those bishops said, I have committed to create an altar call for the remaining days of my ministry every Sunday. And I just thought that was absolutely wonderful. So this is my first Sunday. <laughs> Second point. Where were the disciples? They were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. When you come to Christ, there is inevitably, inevitably many locked doors in your life for fear. Fear that happens in the world. And you close the door and you said, I'm not going to deal with that. Jesus appears to you and you're forced to deal with your fears that are behind locked doors. 
It's confusing because you think Jesus appears to you and you just be happy. Well, unfortunately, he has got higher and bigger purposes for your life, like healing, like wholeness, like unlocking locked doors. So if you're on the path to Christ, you're going to deal with fears behind locked doors, and you're going to need the second thing that Jesus said to you, which is peace be with you. John's gospel um, it skips over to the high points in those seven points. And in Luke's gospel, he tends to go to the low points. So when Jesus appears, they're terrified. John doesn't mention them being terrified at all. Um, he just says, what you need is peace to deal with the terror. Third point, if you're a Christian, you're looking at the evidence. Jesus is showing you his hands and his side, and he's saying to you, you must learn about the evidence, because that will enable you to walk the path of being a Christian. So Jesus is showing you his hands and his side. How are you studying the evidence of Christ, of the resurrection, of, of the history of the church, of those who've believed in Christ, the witness of the faith? I, unfortunately think that the weakest line in John's Gospel is the next one, and they were happy. <laughs> that is weak. <laughs> That's limpy. That, that, that has got no sense of, I've just seen Christ resurrected from the dead. <laughs> oh, I'm happy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to have... Um, uh, porridge. Uh, I'm, ha <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, there's another translation which I actually think is excellent. And it says this. They were surprised for joy. No, though, it doesn't say that, does it? It says they doubted for joy. Uh, I was watching, uh, I won't tell you what time I was watching this, but I was watching, that's why I look so worn out this morning, I was watching the Welsh-French um, rugby game, quarterfinals. Anybody else join me last night? Well, actually, it was this morning, wasn't it, to be truth, <laughs> truth be told? It was 1 a.m. Um, and uh, you know how it ended by one point ahead. Um, and, and when Wales scored that last try in what, about the last seven minutes, um, I said, that's impossible, because I was doubting for joy. I used the language of doubt, which is impossible, to express my utter joy. Um, when somebody pulls something off you think is just ridiculously good, you tend to say, I don't believe that. You express your doubt to capture the impossibility of this moment, the wonder of this moment, the extraordinary nature of this moment. You doubt for joy. I wish John had said that, but he didn't too. But what's that about? Anyway, if you're a Christian, you have to have 
an emotional moment which lasts you much of your life where there is joy. If you're a Christian with no joy, there's something gone terribly wrong. You're just happy. And that's not good enough. If you meet the maker of the, of the universe, there needs to be something utterly blasting in terms of your emotions. Your emotions have to be just sent uh, into a place of ecstasy, delight in the wonder that God has done this. But you know, I think it's the fourth one. Um, it's the fifth one. Jesus now comes back to the disciples and says to them, again, peace be with you. What is the one thing a Christian is going to need more than any other gift? It is the gift of peace. Because you will be challenged so, so greatly in your life. The culture will, will bombard you with disbelief. Uh, you will experience relationships that blow up. You'll get sick. And the one thing that will hold you is knowing that God's peace is able to pass those circumstances and get you to the other side. So you're going to need peace for this journey twice over. One to deal with the past and one to deal with what lies ahead. Two last points. Then Jesus commissions them and says, just as the Father sent me, so I send you to make disciples of all the world. You cannot be a Christian and not be in the process of moving to make other people Christian. It's incredibly selfish not to share faith. And lastly, when Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit, there is new life. The life of God is now in them. So they're able to say, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a building in which the Holy Spirit now lives and dwells and breathes. And so if I'm asked to provide some guidance for somebody, I don't look to myself and say, well, ask somebody else, ask someone who's qualified. I now must come back to that reference point of saying, you know, I believe that I am the temple of the Spirit. I'm going to trust that God would speak through me. No matter who I am, that God might speak through me because I'm now believing I'm actually the temple of the Spirit and the Spirit lives in me. So, if you're a Christian, you're on a journey that involves an appearing peace, the evidence, you're happy. There's more peace, there's a commissioning, and you're filled with the Spirit. May God bless you on this most important of all journeys you'll ever take. Amen.